0: Church year extends for 52 weeks. Advents, Epiphany, Lent, long season of Pentecost extends for 52 weeks. And this is the last Sunday of the church year. As a text I want to use Jesus last words that he ever spoke. He has a command that he issues and a promise he gives. We are Forty days after his resurrection, we are standing on Mount Hermon and he says to his disciples, all authority has been given to me by God. I have a right to ask you to do what I'm about to ask you to do. And then he says to them, go and make disciples of all nations. Nations. Two ways you do that, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And when we hear hear the word command, it's a cold word. And when we think of the Ten Commandments, we shudder a little bit because when we hear the Ten Commandments, it's a cold word. It's meant for our benefit and our peace and our well-being and our salvation. But there are a lot of thou shalt not. It's a cold thing, the Ten Commandments. When Jesus said, go and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, there are four things that Jesus commanded there is no coldness in any of the four things. They are meant for our peace. You understand well how that happens when I mention what he commanded. When he says to his disciples, go and teach them what I commanded, here's what he commanded. John thirteen thirty three said, a new command I give you, that you love one another. By this will all people you bump into know that you belong to me, because out of you is going to come love, not bitterness, anger, or vengeance. New command I give you that you love one another. By this will other people know you are one of my flock by the way you love. And then he said, as I have loved you for the last three years, as I will love you in a couple of days by climbing that cross, even so, you ought to love one another. Three times in one verse, that command. Apostle Paul wrote it well, Romans thirteen nine. Every commandment of Moses can be summed up in one rule: love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and love one another as you love yourself. That's the first command. Go and teach them how to love. Let them see love coming out of you. Second thing Jesus commanded was forgiveness. 700 times in the Bible, forgiveness. If you don't know how to forgive, there is a part of your being that is forever disturbed. I had a metal fragment in my thumb for a year's time. He went after it five weeks ago and got that metal fragment out. My life will be more peaceful as I touch things with my left hand because that sliver is out of my thumb you got vengeance in your heart. you got a desire to repay someone evil for evil. Here's what happens. Someone did something to you 15 years ago. You kind of got over it, and all of a sudden you heard their name mentioned, and something good was said about them. Oh, my goodness gracious. Right? I'm not just talking about the blood pressure rising. I'm talking about all those old, terrible feelings coming flooding back into you. When Jesus commanded that we forgive other people, he meant it not just for them who are forgiven so the relationship can be restored. He's talking about you because he knows that if you have that desire of hatred and bitterness in you, it's going to rot your bones like Solomon says, Proverbs fourteen thirty. Go and teach them what I commanded, I commanded you to love. That will be the best thing in their life. I commanded you to learn to forgive. That will be the best thing in their life if they learn how to do that. Third thing he commanded was this. Feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothes on the naked, please visit the sick and in prison. Fair enough. Fair enough. He commanded that. Why did he command that? Told you a million times, so you stop looking at yourself, and you start looking at someone else. And as soon as you start looking at, stop looking at yourself, all of a sudden a lot of the stuff that you bring because you're thinking about yourself, oh, my knees really hurt, or I don't know how this is going to go, or I don't know if I'm going to have a job, or I don't know if my blood count being so low is going to really do me harm, and I'm going to end up in the hospital— When you think about yourself, you got all this stuff flooding into you, and it suffocates, it suffocates you. The moment you start looking at someone else, that goes away. Because you cannot have your stuff in your mind at the same time that you're thinking and looking and helping someone else else. Your knees hurt? So do mine. Yes, but there are tons of people that have it a million times worse. Third thing he commanded, stop looking at yourself. I want you to have peace. You'll have it by looking at others, trying to help them. And the last thing he commanded, most important thing of all, Believe on me, and thou shalt be saved. God so loved the world, who spoke it? John, yeah, it's in his gospel. Did he speak it? No. Who spoke it? Jesus spoke it. God so loved the world, he gave me, da-da-da-da, his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in me shall have everlasting life. And if that's not clear enough, let's try his last comment, day before he dies. John 14 verse 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am life. When he says to his disciples, go and teach them what I commanded you, those are the four things he had in mind. Teach them to love, to forgive, to concern themselves with others, and teach them that I am the way, to abundant life on this earth and everlasting life in heaven. And did he say, good luck to you, man, I'll check in with you 30 years from now? Is that what he said? A couple of weeks ago in a sermon I said, you send your kids off to school, pat them on the head, make sure that their pencils are in their backpack, and you say to them, hey, I'll see you at 3 o'clock. Your significant other, you give him a kiss on the cheek, you send him off to work, you say, I'll see you at supper time. Is that what the Lord does? Does he give this great commandment to us to be his witnesses? Pat us on the head and say, good luck. Not hardly. For the very last word that he ever spoke was this. Lo, I shall be with you always to the very end of the age. I sent Moses to be my witness to Pharaoh, but I was with him. I sent Abraham to be my witness to his nephew Lot, but I was with him. I sent David to be my witness to the Empire of Babylon, but I was with him. I sent Daniel to be the witness. But I was with him, not just in the lion's den, but every moment he ever had in captivity. I sent Jonah to Nineveh, but I was with him. He wasn't alone. I sent Esther to stand in front of King Artaxerxes. It might have cost her her life because she wasn't summoned, but I was with her. I gave her the words to speak. I was with Joshua and Caleb, number 13, when they went into the promised land and they said there are giants in the land, but we can overcome the giants. I was with every single one of the 700 biographies that are in the Bible. Lo, I was with them always in lions' dens, on crosses where they died, my disciples, my apostles after Pentecost. I was with him always, and I'll be with you. If I ever set up an opportunity for you to witness about me, I shall be smack dab there because I'll be the one who set it up. And if I'm the one who set it up, if I'm the one who brought that person to you at LA Fitness, and I brought you at the same time he was there, you better believe it's a divine moment, and I will be with you as you speak to that individual. I'll tell you the words not to say and I'll tell you the words to say. Lord, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. What do you tell people about? You tell people about God's power. 90% of the opportunities God sets up for you to witness to someone else, it's because... There is something going on in their life. Divorce finances health. 90% of all the witness opportunity God gives you is because God knows something going on in that person's life. And he knows that you know him. And he sets up the encounter. He makes the appointment for you. The question is this. Do you see it? In that parable, Matthew 25, as I said a week ago, the, hung, the, the people on his left-hand side are saying to him, why are you being so tough on us, God? We didn't see a single hungry person, thirsty person, or naked person. And God said to them, that was the problem. You were so consumed with yourself, you never saw anyone that I ever sent into your path. You just pass right on by, man, like your spiritual peripheral vision was zero. If he sets up an encounter to witness, will you see it? I mean, my goodness gracious, your next-door neighbor's lost 20 pounds in the last month. Do you sit and think, what's going on there? I should talk with him. Person on your football team, the shadows under their eyes are as dark as midnight. Does it ever dawn on you that maybe they're on the football team and you're on the football team, not so you can score touchdowns, but maybe God puts you on the team at the same time that guy was on the team so you could ask him the question, if you need anyone to talk to, talk to me. God sets up the encounters for you and I to witness Do we see the slump shoulders? Do we see the shadows under their eyes? Do we see the slump in their shoulders? Do we see it? And if we see it, let me ask you this. Has God's power that created this universe, has it ever manifested itself in your life? If it hasn't, you can't speak about him. Has the love that sent his son to the cross, has that love ever manifested itself in your life? If it has, you know him. If it hasn't, you don't have a witness. Has his wisdom ever taken your worst nightmare and by the end of the day has turned that worst nightmare into something that you have to admit it worked from a good. If that wisdom has happened in your life where he takes the mechanisms of evil, and by the time he's through with the mechanisms of evil sent by Satan, he's turned them into good. If you've been touched by that wisdom, then you have something to share with others. If you haven't, you have no witness. But here's what happens. woman at Sychar's well had never been witnessed to by another human being. She had no idea who this guy sitting at the well was. No idea whatsoever. Jesus set up the appointment. He said, I'm not going to leave this woman to someone else. I'm going to be the one. And you know the rest of the story. Once she had been touched by the power, the love, the wisdom of God, she goes back into Sychar, knocks on 200 doors, says, walk a half mile with me. I think Jesus, the Messiah, is out at the well. He told me everything about myself. They came, and they heard, and they believed. One woman touches 200 lives. Those 200 lives touch another 200 lives. Those 200 lives touch another 200 lives. And pretty soon you have one woman at Sychar's well spending 15 minutes with Jesus and a thousand lives are touched. When he asks you to witness, he is asking you to have your life touched by him. And then his touching is passed on to someone else. I'm driving, uh, day before Thanksgiving, I'm driving down to Mantino. to see one of our members. <laughs> so the car in front of me is kind of weaving, kind of weaving a little bit. And I'm looking at the head of the guy in front of me, and man, he's just having a gay old time. He's just bopping all over the place. Here's what happened to him. He heard, uh, he thought of some song and he began to hum the tune. And then as he hummed the tune, he began to to drum on the steering wheel. Then as he drummed on the steering wheel and hummed the tune, all of a sudden he started singing it kind of quietly. And after singing the song quietly for a moment, then the passion took over, man. And he is just roaring, this song. And the car is swaying. And I'm driving past him thinking this is really a nutcase here. And then I realize that he's singing some song at the top of his voice. And I wave at him and drive as fast as I can away from him. <laughs> you start thinking about Jesus. And you're humming a little tune. And then uh, the humming begins into a little drumming of the hands. And then the drumming of the hands becomes a soft singing of the song. And pretty soon you're not singing softly anymore. You're singing at the top of your voice the divine music that the Holy Spirit has brought into your life. Philemon 1.6 says this, Be active in sharing your faith in Christ so that you will have a full understanding of all the good things that you have from him. The more you talk about him, the more you sing about him, the stronger does the reality of Christ become in your life. And all of a sudden, you're disrupting the highway on Interstate 80 because of the music going on in your life. 630 this morning, I got a text from one of our members. She said the blood count continues to drop. She's battled cancer for the last two years. And I said to her, texting back, that it's heartbreaking news for me to hear. I remind you who's been with you for the last two years. And I remind you who's with you this morning. She texted back and said, thank you, I needed to hear that. Needed to be reminded of that. Every witness opportunity I've had outside of this church, whether it's at the gas station, whether it's at L.A. Fitness, whether it's in a grocery store, every witness I've ever had, I remember distinctly. Whether it's in a waiting room, at a hospital, every witnessing opportunity I've had to strangers, I remember distinctly why Because God set up the meeting. He brought them there at that moment in time. He brought me there at that moment in time. That's why I remember it distinctly. The bush was burning. And by God's grace, I saw the bush burning. And by God's grace, he's touched my life so many times. It's easy for me to share that with someone else. Closing word, are you ready? The leper on Thanksgiving, right? Ten lepers cleansed, right? Luke 17. Nine lepers do not go back and thank him. So let me ask you this question. Those nine lepers that never went back to thank him, do you think that those nine lepers told any other human being on this earth about what Jesus had done? Do you think they told any other human being? Do you think they told her children? Hi, pops, where you been? Well, I had leprosy. Now I'm back. Do you think they told any other human being about Jesus, what he had done? Children, grandchildren, uh, moms and dads, aunts and uncles, people who lived in the town. Do you think they told anyone about Jesus? Not a single person. The leper who came back, thank God, fell down at Jesus' feet, thank Jesus. Do you think he told anyone else? When he hugged his kids for the first time in six years, he told them about Jesus. When he hugged his wife for the first time in six years, he told her about Jesus. The aunts and uncles that gathered together for the big party, he's back, he's healthy, he's well. He never stopped talking about Jesus because he knew his power, his love, and his wisdom. And I dare say, like the thief on the cross, when he got to heaven, he said, Thank you for giving me leprosy, because if I hadn't had leprosy, I would never have known you. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. I'll set up the appointments. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey, love, forgiveness, help others, believe in me. Teaching them about me. And I'll tell you what, I'm not sending you out with the instructions I'm going to actually walk with you. And when you open your mouth, I'll give you the words. Heavenly Father, last Sunday of the church year, coming to the end of 2023, my resolutions for 2024, may they go beyond my diet and my exercise and my knee surgery. May my New Year's resolutions pertain to noticing when I'm to be your witness and then to have the courage and the compassion to be your light. Such things we ask in our Savior's name. Amen.